Well, good morning again, guys. I sound so loud. I think that's what I'm supposed to sound like, but it's, I was telling them earlier as we were setting up, it's so different what I'm hearing when I'm talking than when we're in the barn. It's just kind of like, hello. It's just like a real powerful thing. So if I get a little jacked up, it's because I'm feeling powerful in the moment. Um, yeah, I'm glad that you guys are here, and I appreciate you coming out. It's just awesome. I mean, just uh, love the turnout, love seeing you guys and, and dig into this. And I thank Jamie for sharing this morning. Uh, like Jamie said, I, I got to meet Jamie through some of other family members um, back, back again about three and a half years ago when she was uh, getting married and had the privilege of being part of that. And, um, and just watching her during the last three, three and a half years, anybody that's been around, you, you just know the difference that, that God's made in her life, but that she let him make in her life. And I just really respect her and the, the testimony that she has and the impact that she's had in our lives and what God's doing with you. So, okay. So with that, oh, you can clap for her if you want. As long as you're not clapping for me, that's just weird. Okay, so I'm not, I don't have my TVs and all that weird stuff that I'm used to, so we're kind of going old school on you. And I, I'm, one of the reasons I asked Jamie to talk a little bit today is because, again, with this National Back to Church Sunday, and I know every time I, I talk about it, I do the whole, you know, usually we don't tie into um, you know, national events, that kind of stuff, and, and we, we generally don't. But since we do have a heart, because it's a, the past of a lot of people here, and part of my past as well, we, we have a hope for people that have been hurt by church before, hurt by Christians before. Maybe we wouldn't use the word hurt, maybe we just use the word frustrated by, or whatever the case may be, and maybe gotten away from it, because what I believe God intends for us, and has created us for, and has created for us, for His, his purposes, versus what some of us have seen in our past, tend to be two different things. And so I just wanted to explore on this date, just dig into that and just be honest about that and look at those two different extremes. Because when I talk to people throughout the week, I usually get one of those two extremes. It's usually, you know, something like what Jamie was talking about, talking about the difference that church community has made in their life. Or people saying, I don't want anything to do with church because of all these reasons and different things. So uh, I started playing with that some this week. And we put, uh, I put some of these thoughts up here. You guys might have seen on Facebook... I ask the question, I ask questions all the time, you guys are so generous by answering back, of just, you know, like, if you're not involved with church, or maybe you're, you're part of a, a church, but you don't really dive in deeper than Sunday morning, what kind of things stop us from that? I mean, what kind of struggles have we had with that, or what kind of things have we gone through? And I just kind of put together a list of some of the things that were put there. I've added some stuff that I've heard from other areas, uh, but like hypocrisy is usually number one. You know, we just hear that a lot as far as being something being taught or something being preached or something that they talk about that they believe versus what they're living or the opportunities they provide or the way that they treat people tend to be two different things sometimes. And so a lot of people talk about that on an often basis. I've seen things like uh, maybe a church not being biblical, um, maybe it doesn't match up to the words, kind of the, the truth aspect of things. Uh, or maybe uh, like there's churches that uh, believe it or not can be so far on the love side that they forget about the truth part and that bo- you know, can bother some people. Or maybe they don't really, and this might sound weird, it kind of threw me at first. But uh, for some people, it's that they, the church doesn't even get into the Bible that much. You know, like, and I remember, and I had to think about this a little bit, because I remember being part of a church where, like, they would have one of the deacons come up, and he'd read a little bit of Bible, like it was supposed to be, like, the key verses, and then he'd sit down, and then whatever they talked about had nothing to do with it. It was just kind of like, that's on the bulletin, so we have to do something. So slapping a psalm, you know what I mean? It's, just, it's kind of like, because I'm going to talk about this, and I don't have any Bible, you know what I mean? And it's kind of weird, and I remember when people um, started here, 
I saw hearing that sometimes, and one of the things, there's two things that, that most people say they, they, they like about here, and it's very gracious of whoever says it, and it's very humbling. But the environment, you guys, the, the, the loving and just the relaxed atmosphere, um, and, and the, the kind of the genuine aspect of that, and that they like that I preach out of the Bible. And I'm like, what do other people preach out of? You know what I mean? It's just like a most bizarre little, little statement. But, but I understand that some people talked about that. Some people just have been hurt by church before, whether it be gossip, backstabbing, uh, things that they, they, they were coming looking for within church community, and maybe things ended up a different way. And to be honest, sometimes that's because a church reaches out to somebody who needs reached out to, and they don't want to hear it. So sometimes it's on our end, but it does happen on the church end too. Uh, schedule, that schedule's just too tight. We don't have the time for it. Uh, I had a really good conversation with a buddy of mine that I haven't seen for, for a few years on introverts versus extroverts within the church. There are a lot of things within the church really are set up for extroverts more than they are introverts, and so that can be uncomfortable. Uh, child care, if they don't have child care, if they don't have babysitting, what kind of child care ministry they have. Worship style can put uh, people away as far as different music styles, whatever the case would be. Disputable matters, uh, that's basically stuff that the Bible's not black and white on that uh, we're allowed to have different of opinions on. You know, like if this was 20 years ago, maybe dancing would be one of those things or certain movies to go to or whatever that maybe we have different opinions on and we're allowed. You know, according to Romans, it says you, you seek those things out before the Lord and if it's, you know, good between you and the Lord, great, but if it's not to your brother, then you support your brother. You don't take and treat them badly or take and treat them like they're lesser, but that sometimes churches can get real set on a disputable matter and treat somebody who feels differently badly. And so sometimes that is part of the, the concern. Uh, they don't like their teaching because they, maybe they don't want to hear the, hear the truth, to be honest. Sometimes that's there, or maybe because it's bad teaching. Uh, they don't like change. Um, only example coming to mind, like one thing that we're going through right now is we're, we're looking at going to two services because we have to win the tent when we want to invite a bunch of people. You know what I mean? Like we're just maxed out in the building, and we, we have, we're going through some struggles with the state to get that done. So if we go to two services, some people are all that nuts about it, and I get it. I'm not that nuts about it. I like being all together. But there are some people like, well, it doesn't feel the same, so I'm not going there anymore. That might not be the best way to roll, but that, you know, sometimes change messes with us. Environment might be different than what you're used to. Don't feel like it. Whatever the case be, there's a ton of things that can keep us from church community. And I keep saying church community because I think church community is more than just Sunday morning. You know what I mean? I think it's more than that. I think it's relational than that. So I, and I understand this, and I, actually there's a few things on there that actually play into my stories. Um, if you're not uh, familiar with my story, if you are, you just have to hear it again, I guess. But, uh, you know, to be honest, my past with the church is, is somewhat turbulent as far as the experiences I grew up in. I grew up in a uh, traditional American Baptist church, and I have a lot of love for the American Baptists, and they have their pros and cons. But I grew up in a church where it was uh, very clicky, if you've ever experienced that, believe it or not, very clicky. And um, my family was not on the end click. We were just always there, you know. And uh, I remember, like, they would be, like, get, do the Christmas play for all, all the kids and get everybody in. And then they'd go, oh, yeah, oh, Tommy, we forgot about Tommy. I've been here, like, ten years, come on. You know, it just kind of like it was weird. And I remember there was a lot of struggle. It was called uh, Homie Baptist, which ended up, unfortunately, being an ironic name because they always had struggles. And, and, and to the point that in my high school years, we ended up kind of pulling back from church and I don't know, we maybe went to a few different churches. And then other seasons, I just kind of slipped into that mentality. And, and honest, honestly, I understand the mentality, but it's wrong, biblically. Uh, if I can be a Christian, don't I have to go to church? You know, and that's how I kind of became my stance for probably about 10 years. And it wasn't until I was about 30 years old that it hit me that I was resting on the experiences of my past, and I was giving nothing to my son. 
quite frankly, I mean, that was the starting point of it, that I was resting all my camp days and all this other stuff, but when I grew up with a dad who wouldn't go to church with us, I became a dad who didn't take my kid to church. And so I started getting involved again, and, uh, and God was doing some things. It was really cool and started working at a church, believe it or not, called Harmony Baptist Church, the same one I grew up in, and uh, was there for about a year being, as a youth pastor. And uh, the, the pastor there, to be honest, was just not a good man, not a good man. Uh, was a liar, had an agenda, was very ego-driven. Um, it got to the point that he would be talking to people, and if nobody else was around, he would yell at them and cuss them out. And then when they would take it to the deacons, they would just say, well, he's like, oh, they had some kind of misunderstanding. And after like five times, sooner or later, you start realizing, hey, not that many people can have that many misunderstandings. And as I was there, uh, that was when my first wife left me in an affair. And my, where I was at, because it crushed me. I mean, for me, I had no, no idea what was going on. I had no idea we were even having struggles or whatnot. But um, what I really needed to do at that time was step out of my position of leadership and just be loved on, be restored, be led through that with my church family instead of having the pastor lying to me and telling me that they always wanted me out because I was going to split the church and then find out behind my back he was just saying there's no way in heaven or hell I'm having a divorced youth pastor ever in this church. So it was a, not exactly what I needed at the time. It's not exactly what the Bible promises church to be at the time. And so I ended up leaving that situation. Unfortunately, he was about five, about six months later when it came out that he was beating his wife at home. He was just not good. Uh, got out of church a little bit for a little while again. Got back involved at a church in, on the west side of Columbus, then came up here. You guys can blame Prospect Baptist Church for bringing me up to the area. And uh, pastor was a great guy, but he's never had the calling to be a pastor. And there started being struggles there, and there started being challenges there. And um, it got to the point that, and I love him to death, but it got to the point that instead of kind of accepting some of the responsibility and asking for help in some areas, that he tended to look for scapegoats. So it became Tom's trying to take over the church. Tom's the one that's causing all the problems. So my wife and I resigned the church. We left the church, um, which was very heartbreaking because she grew up there since she was a baby. And uh, people believed some of the things that were going on, so I know it was very hurtful for her. It was tough for us. And we have to make a decision. What do you do with that? There's all kinds of reasons we can get out of church. I understand the pain of some of this stuff. So, I mean, this stuff's legit. But the question is, when I have this on one side... And this on the other side, and things like what Jamie's saying up here, and the things other people are saying to me, how do we bridge that disconnect? Because it seems like God wants something more for us. It seems like there's something better than what we've dealt with or been handed sometimes. And so that's what I want to explore into with you guys today, if you would. But matter of fact, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Acts chapter 2. I don't have it up on the screen for you. I'm going old school. Acts chapter 2. If you, for those who usually come here, there's a thing called version if you're a visitor, and version is the most popular Bible app nationally that's free, and if you use that, there's a th thing uh, called live events, so you can click that, and you could do a local search, and there's an event for us, and it brings up the scriptures we're going through, and place you can take notes, all the stuff. Uh, usually, you can sign on to that with a Wi-Fi with fellowship as a password. Whether or not you can get it on your device out here, I don't know. So, <laughs> some people saying no, some people saying yes. So, if you can use your version, great. If not, go old school with your Bibles. Uh, but Acts chapter 2 is what we're going to dig into. And basically, what we're digging into is one of the key verses out of three that we really founded this church on. That's really the kind of heart and the passion behind what we do here. And it's right after, let's see, let's give you an order of events. This is after Jesus' ministry. So, he'd been here 33 years. Last three years, he did his public ministry. And uh, this is after... 
his betrayal and his abuse and his torture and his arrest and his crucifixion. Uh, it's after he rose back from the dead. He's been with them for 40 days, kind of reinstating them and kind of pulling them back together because it was a pretty turbulent time for them. And then it came to a point where he uh, went back into heaven. He sent him back into heaven. And he said to him, look, there's a mission I have for you guys, for all of us. If you accept Jesus as leader and forgiving your life, we're on a mission. And it's, it's threefold. One is to, to tell people about Jesus, to lead them to Jesus to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to take and encourage each other to grow. It's called discipleship, to grow to be more like Christ, to follow him, to adopt his passion, his heart, his vision, his ways, and that we disciple each other through this. And he's like, this is what I want you to do to all the ends of the earth. He's basically said their hometown, the, the country that's around them, the people that are different than them, and all the ends of the earth. Just This is what you can do. But before you do it, go back to that room we were, we were in a little bit ago and stay there. Until I show up, the part of God called the Holy Spirit that resides within us, when we accept Jesus as leader and forgiven our lives, by acknowledging with our mouth He's the Son of God, believing in our hearts He died and rose again, and turning our life over to get the freedom of what He called us to instead of what I've been trying to do this whole time, right? And so we do this, and He says, and then we, we encourage each other, we, we, we build each other up, we move out, we do this mission. And He says, but, but wait for the Holy Spirit to come. So they went up in that upper room, and they stayed there for 10 days, and they boarded it up. You guys, you guys remember this part of the story? And they're kind of hiding, they're praying, and they're getting ready because they don't know what this is going to look like or what it's not going to look like. And then, you know, it just goes crazy. That one day on Pentecost Day, wind comes in, sounds like a tornado, fire comes in, rests on them. They got, they're so jacked up on Jesus, they like run out onto the streets. People are hearing the noise, they're all running to them. And they're like telling them about Jesus. But the thing is, is they're speaking in their language, and everybody that's there, they're, they're from all these different areas because they came to the main city for this, this holiday. And all these different languages are hearing them in their own language. And they're like, what the heck is this? So they're like, hey, look, what's going on is this is the Holy Spirit. This is what he does. He does crazy stuff. It's cool, isn't it? And so in that moment, when they told Jesus, them about Jesus, it says 3,000 people that day came to know the Lord. And what we're about to read is what that first early community looked like as far as, the, as, far as what church should be and what it is. It could be. You guys with me? Does that make sense? Okay. So Acts 2. I'm going to have to use my old man glasses. Now I have to lift this up because that thing's way too low. Okay. Verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed together, uh, and all who believed were together, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And I read that. You know, in comparison to some of the stories of my past, and I think, man, who wouldn't want that? Right? You know, I mean, if that, if that literally what it should look like and what was happening, where we all were like in unity with each other, and there wasn't gossip and backstabbing around, and we were taking, taking care of each other, and there was generosity in the house, and nobody was in need, and they were acting in such a way that the rest of the world didn't have a list of like them about this, because they were acting in such a way that they had favor with everybody. Everybody's like, wow, these guys. Oh, legit. It got to a point in one area, in Antioch, where the term Christian was introduced, not by us, but by the outside world, because they were watching these guys, and they're like, man, they act so much like that Jesus guy. They start calling them Christians. And it was kind of a, supposed to be a slam. You know what I mean? But that's how, how it was. Like, if, if this was church, oh my goodness, right? I mean, this, this, I want this. 
I want this for my life, I want this for my wife, I want this for my marriage, I want this for my kids, I want this for my friends, I want this for my family members. This would be something that would be impactful because I believe we're designed for it. I believe it's what he desires. And I'm convinced that he will give it to us and he wants to move in these ways if we just don't get in the way. And we're kind of stupid sometimes. We kind of get in the way. You know what I'm saying? I remember it was about three years ago we were having a, a Good Friday thing here and we were watching this video teaching from a guy uh, in Georgia. His name's David Platt. A great pastor. I really like this guy. Um, really enjoyed the teachings. One, one of the secret church, if you remember when we were having that. And he was talking about this verse and he says, now remember, this was a one-time thing. This is right after the Holy Spirit showed up. So you're not supposed to like judge yourselves by this. It would never be like this again. And as much as I like the guy and I like all this stuff, I think that's crap. I think we're all called to this. I'm not saying we're going to get it easy. I'm not saying we're not going to struggle. But I think this is what we're shooting for. And there's four things in here. If you're going to take notes, if you're a note taker, this is the time you know, you're like, oh, he said four things. That means he's about to give us a list. Yes. So this is the notes, but I think there's four things within this and then a fifth that trumps them all that shows us how we can get out of the way and let God move the way that he wants to. And you probably saw them in there. The first one is this. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And this one I'm going to actually look at some notes because there's like several points that are cool in this, but they don't really flow together. So forget segues. I'm just going to give you stuff, okay? But the first thing I, I'm kind of excited about is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay? And they didn't do what we do sometimes, and even what they did back then, and I'll give you that example in a second, where a lot of us are tempted in our human nature to base our spirituality on experience and emotion more than the scripture itself. Does that make sense? I think this is a struggle that comes in sometimes, is we, we want to build our spirituality on our emotions and our experiences instead of the word of God. Now, if I look at the scripture of, you know, remember when Jesus fed the 5,000? quote unquote, because they only counted the guys, so it was like 8,000, 9,000, whatever. So when he fed them, and they all came and they're all hungry, and he had like, what, five fish and two loaves of bread, or whatever the case may be, it might be vice versa. I'm just a pastor. But anyways, and he blessed it, and they, they divided it out, and everybody was fed, and they had leftovers, right? And it was just this overwhelming experience, and everybody's like, wow, this is really cool. This is awesome. It was a great experience, and they liked it so much, they listened to him talk the rest of the day. And then they said, you know what, we're all going to sleep. They kind of basically did this. They just didn't have the tent. And they said, we want more. And so we're all going to camp out. And according to, to what's in here, they all camped out. And they said, we're going to get more of this tomorrow. But sometime during the night, Jesus and his apostles left. They went on the side of the lake and they're gone. So when all these people woke up, there's you know, 8,000, 9,000 people, they're all like, hey, where's Jesus? And they're like, well, I don't know. But they were persistent and they went looking for him. And they found him in the town about the size of Waldo. Okay, so if you ever in my community, you, have to, you know, imagine 8,000 people looking for you and they find you, right? This is a big, everybody's going to notice. And so they come to him and they say, hey, where did you go? And he's like, well, you know, I was over here and whatnot. And they said, well, um, you remember that food thing you did yesterday? Well, kind of, kind of like to have some breakfast, <laughs> right? Like, you know, what kind of sign can you do for us? And he said, look, that's not what I'm about. I saw the need, I wanted to meet the need, but I'm here to tell you that you need the Lord. And that I've come to, to offer myself a sacrifice, to have victory over sin and death, so that you can have a life of me. And this is what that life looks like. And it, it, I know it's overwhelming to feel like you're giving up everything, but I'm giving you everything, and this is what it is. And it's according to the scripture. Everybody stood there and they said, wow, that's really kind of tough. And every single one of them turned and walked away. They weren't there for the truth. 
They were there for an experience. On the other side, we, we could see that maybe the bad experiences drive us sometimes, and some of the stories that we're talking about. I mean, they could be here in the exact same situation, and no one wants to be part of it, because they know one of their best friends, Judas, who was with them for three years, betrayed all of them, stabbed them in the back. Had Jesus killed, he took and killed himself. Who wants to be part of that? The bad experience can roll with it. And even then, if you look at good experience, these guys just had Pentecost in front of them. You know what I mean? They the temple culture. 3,000 people get saved. We're pretty pumped that there's about 95 of us here. Woohoo! 3,000 people get saved out of the masses that were there. They could have showed up the next day and said, man, that was cool. Uh, let's see, they did tornado yesterday. Maybe we'll get a hurricane. Maybe 6,000 people will get saved. What are you going to do today? It didn't. They weren't there just for the experience. They weren't there for the emotion. Sometimes we get to feel the Holy Spirit, and it's just like, that's so cool, and then the next week it doesn't happen. It goes, ah, well, maybe it really wasn't legit. They got devoted to the Word. They got devoted to the apostasy. Now, it looked different then, because what they had was the Old Testament. They had the scrolls. They'd been there for thousands of years, and they would read those, and they would talk and teach off of those. But in this day and age, when Jesus came and fulfilled the law, it was basically his teachings that they had. And then it was the apostles that would go out and they would do public speaking and they would write and they would put those things out. Now, we've, we've got the scripture today that records all that. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But they would take and devote themselves to it in a way that we should devote ourselves to it and why the scripture is so important to us and why this not you know, being biblical in church is just messed up. Because we have to be devoted to that. We have to follow those things, learning, studying, maturing. Uh, some, of the, some of the things within this... Uh, this Bible, one, one of the things I was thinking about when I was saying I want to talk about that a little bit more is a lady sent me an email this week that she was concerned for her cousin because her cousin said she didn't want anything to do with the Lord anymore. She'd been involved in church for years, uh, saw some things kind of in the hypocrisy standpoint, and she decided the Bible wasn't trustworthy. You know, and if we're talking about devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching and we don't trust this, well, then we have a concern. And her reasons were, ones I hear all the freaking time, is that the Gospels were written hundreds of years later so we can't trust them. And that all of this is stuff put together by a group of like 10 guys at the Council of Nicaea that had their own agenda, and so we can't trust it either. The problem is that's not, just not true. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all written within the first century. Matthew was an apostle of Jesus Christ, a following for three years. Mark was an apprentice of Peter, Paul, and Barnabas, who was taking mostly writing down Peter's perspective on things. Luke was not an apostle, but he was a follower of Christ, a doctor who took and went and talked to first-hand witnesses, according to the first book of, uh, chapter of his book. They put all this together. And John, who also was an apostle. The problem is, there's other gospels out there that people put note to, like, let's say, the Gospel of Judas. That the, it, it was written 300 years later. And it was written by a group called the Gnostics, which was a cult. And they were trying to mix in with Christianity and created this story where... Jesus had a higher understanding. All the other apostles were idiots, except for Judas, who was the only one that got it. And when you read it, it's almost laughable trying to pass off because Jesus is just a big jerk in it. He's just kind of like a snob jerk to everybody except for Judas, who got it. And so when you hear about that, or the Gospel of Thomas and these other things, you start hearing, well, those who were written hundred years later, all of them can't be trustworthy. Well, no, they're all trustworthy. And that Council of Nicaea, all they did is when all this other stuff started going on and other things were trying to be passed in, they said, we've got to you know, come together and say, get together the legit stuff that we've had for 300, 400 years that we know is legit and say, this is what's legit, ignore this other stuff. And that's all they did. They just val val validated what it, the church was already following. So there's this, this stuff out there that, that makes it so that we have to watch that because we have to be devoted to this apostles' teaching. We have to watch how those things come together and make sure that we're amazed by the word and growing within it. The other thing within that, and just for our visitors, because we just talked about a couple of weeks ago, 
is you've got to make sure that any pe- person that's a teacher in your life, whether it be a pastor or a teacher or a Bible study or anything else, is legit as well. And that they're not making this stuff up. Do you, do you ever see Sling Blade? I know it's older now. I don't know if you guys remember Sling Blade. What a messed up movie, right? Yeah. Get on a microphone. No. Anyway, it's a good impression in the first row. Everybody else missed it. But I remember the guy had a lot of challenges. And at the end, he, he approaches his dad. And his dad's pretty messed up, too. And the, the phrase they used that just really blew me away. He's, he was talking to his dad. He said, I read the Bible, and it doesn't say what you said it said. That this guy, I mean, just in that moment, you know his entire life, that this guy manipulated the Scripture to screw with his kid. And it messed his life up that much. And we've got to make sure that everything matches back to the Word. It's not that we're devoted to a pastor, we're not devoted to a teacher, we're devoted to the Word of God. Amen? So that's the first thing that they had. We don't go with experiences and emotions only. We've got to get into the Word. We have to know His promises and His truth. Okay, number two. I'll go a little bit faster on some of these because I know you, most of you guys came for the cookout anyways. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I did. But um, Second thing that they were devoted to was fellowship. Again, if you're taking notes, fellowship was the second thing. That they were devoted to fellowship. If we look at the word fellowship in the Greek, which would have been the language of the time, it's defined as holding something in common. That's what fellowship was. If we use the word fellowship here in, you know, as Shepherd's Fellowship, it's holding something common. I think the most unofficial definition that I really like was the definition of fellowship being common participation with God. Common participation with God. And these guys did it well. Taking care of each other, sharing with each other, doing these uh, possessions, and, and walking away from these challenges here. Now, one of the things that's interesting within the scripture that I, have to, I just want to make sure we get, and this is why I said I was so wrong by saying I could be a Christian but not go to church. We're designed for it. You know, you can't read the Bible without talking about elders and deacons and structure and how we're all joined together and we're all sharing our gifts and we're all serving together to make an impact. You you can't miss it. But with these guys, when they were doing it well, and this is how they they just kept that flow going, is they met together formally and informally. Did you see that? They met together daily. It doesn't tell us exactly what they did each day, but they met together daily, sometimes in the synagogue, which is the formal gathering, kind of like what we're doing here. We're getting together, you know, Sunday mornings probably translates the best to what they were doing there. And in each other's houses. And just together casually. Uh, I think Mickey, when I put some things on Facebook, she was talking about how church happens in different areas. Like maybe at Starbucks and reading the Bible and start the conversation and whatnot. That's very true. It's very true. Or when we get together and we, we have a small group, like I think, I think if I'm remembering correctly, the bulletins today talks about some of the new home groups uh, that are starting out. Um, there's the Bible studies that are a little bit more casual in people's homes. And how those get started now. We used to be a little bit more programming on this, but we're just seeing how God moves in some cool way. So it's just basically, if you've been around for at least a year, so we know you, so we're not putting false leaders in place ourselves, and you say, you know what, I just want to have a Bible study, or we want to have a Bible study, we want to open up to everybody else. Yep, that's a home group. That's all it is. It's no longer like, okay, we need to get these demographics here. Just that's a home group. Open up doors, that's great. Because we meet casually. But again, it could happen at Starbucks. It could happen on Friday night, wherever the case may be. The problem is, is when we pick one or the other instead of both when it comes to fellowship. Sunday morning, I love you guys being here. I love talking to you guys. I love worshiping together. But if we come 10 minutes before and leave 10 minutes after, that's not fellowship. It's a part of fellowship. Does that make sense? Fellowship is so much more. They did it every day. They were in tune with each other. They were encouraging each other. They were spurring each other on. It was more. It was more than just being inside four walls, going through the motions and making sure you match up to the bulletin. It's more than that, and they were devoted to it. Move forward. The third one that we'll give you is this. 
we move from fellowship and, and being uh, committed. You might think the next one is breaking the bread, but it's actually with another. The third one is this, is worship. They worship together. And that includes the breaking of the bread as well as being committed to the prayers. I'm not sure if you caught that within the scripture, but it wasn't just they were committed to praying, they were committed to the prayers. It hints like there was something formal that they did together, that they were committed to praying together. The breaking of the bread is basically communion. That beautiful, I mean, it's just an awesome gift of what God gave us. He's so symbolic, and it's so cool because we have something tangible that somehow we can connect with that sacrifice, with that promise that he's going to take it with us again someday. But they were committed to the, 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 the communion and, and the prayers together. They were basically coming together to worship. And I'll tell you, when we talk about worship, a lot of times we end up talking about music more than we all really worship. And I, I end up having not a ton of conversations, but enough conversations throughout as far as should we be doing hymns, should we be doing contemporary worship, should we be doing black gospel, should we do the Holy Spirit, you know, those type of things. And that, that's all good and fine, whatever. Um, but worship is so much deeper than that. And that's one of the reasons why I lo- love Mike coordinating this stuff and leading, leading us in worship, because he gets it. That it's just so much deeper than that. I'll tell you, I, uh, when he first took the position, I remember him kind of asking around, just kind of like, what kind of worship do you kind of connect with music-wise? And, and mine's mostly the contemporary stuff, you know, kind of like what we did in the, in, in the, the second set. But um, I can roll with almost anything. And I, but I will say this, uh, in the week, when I see the most worship, when I look at the face and I see worship the most, it's when I'm at the nursing home. There's about four nursing homes I work with, and there's some other ones that I, I back a guy up on. And there's one that's, um, it's called Memory Lane, is a section, and it's people with Alzheimer's. And they can't talk, I mean, you, you, I, I don't talk to anybody there. They, they can't communicate back outside of the staff. They just can't communicate. And they kind of bring them out, and they put them in the living room in different places and sit them there, and uh, you kind of put some books out. If there's anybody who does read, usually they just kind of hold them just so that they have a tangible. But as soon as you start a hymn on a CD with some cheesy guy singing it, that's, that's what we had to work with. I mean, it's like Ray Hemi. It's like extreme traditional Hemi. <laughs> These guys, they don't see the book, they don't see me, but they start singing, and their faces light up, and they connect with God in a way that you and I should be connecting to God when we worship in our music. It's just their hearts come alive. They just connect something through that music, through it. But the thing is, according to this, that heart is what matters, and what they devote themselves is not to a particular music style, but to breaking bread together, showing fellowship with one another and with God, and to the prayers, talking to God. And I think, you know, I don't think, outside this year, I've had one person come and talk to me saying, you know, I wish we did communion more. I just love communion. One person has done that. And as I'm reading this, I'm just like, man, there's just so much deeper that we can go in our worship of God than the music. And I just love what they had there. And, and the fourth one is not quite as straight out within this, but, it, but it's outreach. They were committed to reaching out to others. As, as we see... Uh, what, what they had there with the kind of life that they had and uh, the, the favor that they had with people and people coming back to them and um, taking it being added to the number daily is just that they, they had good favor with everybody else. They cared about others. They didn't become some community where they just worried about them, but they worried about others as well and made a difference. And, and, and when, when I look at that, and I, and I really do, I appreciate you guys doing so much this week because I know you did because we just wanted to maybe uh, reach out to some, some new faces as well as worship our God. But I look at all that and I just, to be honest with you, I love you guys dearly. You know I do. And I love our church. But there's so many areas we can grow in. You know, there's just so, it's so easy to, to be complacent and just say, uh, you know, when I'm telling my story, thank God I'm not like that. But thank God our church isn't like that. 
and not look at, man, God has more for us. God has more for our lives. And if I focus on the others because I've just got so much of this still left in my heart and my mind that I'm just trying to get past it. And even then I'm doing pretty darn well because a lot of us just will say, you know, that's enough and I don't want anything to do with it again anyways. But to look at it and say, yeah, that's what I've experienced. And that's what's out there. And yeah, we struggle with that ourselves sometimes in our own church. But it's a whole other thing to say, you know what, I want this. I want what God wants for me. I want God designed for me. And I want to go deeper. And I'll tell you, this is the fifth one. And make sure you don't miss this. This is the most important word in that entire section that we read. As important as fellowship is, as important as worship is, as important as the apostles' teaching is, as important as outreach is, the most important word in that section is the word devoted. It's the most important word that's in that. Because it would be really easy to say, well, sure, right after Pentecost, everybody was happy and it's the honeymoon period, so sure, they all got along. They had these two. And I can't imagine looking at that group and saying, you know, I want to be a part of that and everything's great, but I'm just so busy this week. There's just so much on my plate, and, you know, the kids have got to take and go to gymnastics, and the kids have got swimming lessons this week, so I just don't have time. We've got to get uh, homework done, or, you know, they can make uncomfortable because I'm an introvert and they're extroverts. Listen, there's areas that we can grow in these areas, and there's real things that we have to get through, but the word in all of it is to say, I want what God has for me and what he's designed me for, and I will devote myself to get it, and I will run over the people that do this to me to get to God. Our communication doors open, love you. But if you're stopping me from that, I'm going to go with God's blessing to here. I'm going to be part of this. And if it's not here, and you're like something stringent inside you, let me know. We'll get you hooked up someplace else. I'm not trying to get you to fellowship. But I do want church community in my life and in my family's life the way that God intended it without all the junk in the games. And when it comes up and the problems come up, and they do come up because we're all stupid at one point or the other, I want to be devoted to saying I'm not going to just bounce off of that and stay home and watch football. Or that, you know, we'll come over here and we'll kind of create our own community based on motorcycles or something else in our life. I'm going to go for it. I want what God has for me, and I'm not going to stop. I want to be devoted to this because I want this. God has this for me. And I'm tired of people shortchanging me on it. But the thing is, with devoted, this has to do with what everybody else did. Devoted has to do with what you do. If I'm going to get devoted to it and doing the right thing, then I have to get devoted to the apostles' teaching myself. And I have to get devoted to learning and, and digging in deeper and understanding better so that I have a stronger foundation. I don't usually call people out, but my mechanics here. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. Hi, Bob. And I'll use this just because we were talking this week about my car and stuff. If I have a problem with my car, which is hardly ever, Michael, stop making fun of my Jeep. <laughs> But when I have problems with my car, and I go to Bob, Bob's proven himself two things to me. One, he's a man of integrity, and two, he knows what he's talking about. And if I need something done, he'll tell me, and I, and I trust him. If I don't need something done, he tells me that too. You know, I just, because he is educated, and he is dug in, and that's what he's good at. If you have a problem with your car, do not take it to me. Take it to Bob, right? In the same way, I want that for this, because this is fundamental, and this matters. If I'm 3,000 miles over my oil change, which I was this week, I know Bob's going to roll his eyes at me a little bit because he knows what's best for my car. God knows what's best for Tom. His community is what he's designed for me, and I want more. I want to do better. I want to get deeper, and I want to commit to it. So if I commit to those 
who know more about the scriptures I'm learning about, because trust me, I have mentors in my life, and I'm reading the word myself, and I'm seeking God, and I'm studying, then that matters, because it's how I relate in submission to the leaders of my life. If I commit myself to fellowship, to hanging out with people more than just Sunday morning, if we're even pulling that off, then it shows how I'm going to relate with other people that are within the faith and encouraging each other and reaching out to each other. If I take and dig into worship, it talks to me about how I relate to God and that I put him first. You know, I, it, it stymies me, and I, I know I've said this before, but it stymies me how someone can say, I believe there's a God, and that's all it is. Because if there's a God, it changes everything. If there's a guy that created me and had a purpose for me, that changes everything. And so how we relate with our God matters. And then when it comes to outreach and reach out to other people, people are craving something more, and he's designed us for it, and it's right there, and it tells us how we relate with people outside the faith too. Because if you're gossiping at work, and you're shortchanging people at work, and you're backstabbing people, or you're treating your spouse like crap, You've got problems. And Jesus wants to love you through that. And you know what? In all honesty, if that's going on, people see you. Can you stop playing part of the problem? Can you stop pushing people away? I was even noticed, like, before church, we still had some things, getting some things. We're going to do communion together because I love doing communion together and I want to make you happy. So, no, I'm just kidding. Just, if, if, if we won't have communion together. And I try to get that together and some other things, and I'm just like, man, is everybody in here worshiping, thinking like, well, Tom doesn't even worship. He's just out there talking to Steve. What's going on out there? What we do matters. And I want this. Don't you? But it takes us doing it first. I have no control over other people only myself and I want to follow the Lord and get better so anyways that's kind of the, some of the thoughts that we had going on with, with what we're doing here and, and like I said I want to get into some communion together because I think it is just awesome how we relate to God through communion and how we relate with each other especially the part where Jesus says that he will not take of the cup again and the bread again until we join him in his heavenly realm I love that he's waiting on us so I want to do that together. And, and if you've been hurt by church before, and you've been hurt by Christians before, you've been frustrated, or you've seen a bunch of crap, or your family, or your, your parents have screwed you over over the day, I get that. I certainly get that. But as we come together in communion, can I just tell you, I, I, I hope you get something better than that. If we can be part of that, great. And if not, let me know. We'll help you find it. But I really, man, your God loves you so much. And I could see in three years for some of the faces here that you might have a testimony similar to Jamie's. And it might be a little bit overwhelming. Or there might be some hood or some anger there that you have to, I don't know, give to him. But it might be time to just get some baggage off your, off your back, you know? might be time to give it another shot. I remember I was on the radio uh, this week talking to Jeff Ruth. He, he's kind enough to let us come when we do stuff like this and kind of talk about it and stuff. And uh, Jeff was, was saying on it, he goes, I, I know when you like, like, you know, when people come to your church, you like, like them digging in, you know, and just jumping in with both feet and just getting involved. I said, I said well, may, sometimes. But sometimes people are coming hurt. And sometimes they're coming broken. And maybe all you've got is a toe to put in. That's fine. 
But just know God loves you so much more than what some people have showed you. If you, if you walk out of here with that, then, then everything else was worth it.